My name is Mitch, and uh, I've beaten the off and path by uh, sourcing an eco-friendly, sustainable, biodegradable golf ball. Welcome back to the Beat the Often Path podcast, the show where we find unusual and creative stories to help us really think outside the box in our lives and our careers and to find new inspiration for things that we can do with our finite time on this planet. Now, I've talked to a variety of people at this point, people who have invented something many decades in the past, people who have just recently taken off with a startup, and I also wanted to share a guest today that's a little bit different than some of the others. They're a bit in the early stages of creating a new eco-friendly startup, and I wanted to kind of get this perspective too. It's a somewhat shorter episode because I wanted to show what it's like in the moment when somebody makes that giant leap of faith to do something different. So my guest today hasn't exactly made it yet in the traditional sense, but I think they're working on something really cool and something that I personally want to see in the world. So we're gonna see somebody in a little bit earlier part of their career doing something very cool, just to remind us that this is also a valuable step. Maybe you want to do something interesting with your life. Maybe you want to invent a product or maybe you wanna just bring something to market that you wanna see. What does it take? What is it like just on the other side of making that initial leap? My guest today is one of the creators of biodegradablegolfballs.com. Now I am an avid golfer and I have always thought that the waste that is inherent in the game of golf is bad. As an eco-friendly person, I just don't enjoy knowing that all of these golf balls get shanked into the woods or in a lake and that they become just toxic garbage. It's always been something that I've hated. So I've been looking for the alternative and there just aren't that many people out there who have even attempted this problem. That's why I was so interested to bring on today's guest, Mitch Scholes of biodegradablegolfballs.com. And they have created a ball. It's still in the early stages, but they've created a ball that is biodegradable and that aims to solve a lot of the biggest problems when it comes to waste. So we're going to talk about how they have gotten here and where he is in his journey in this somewhat shorter episode. So here is Mitch Scholes of biodegradablegolfballs.com. So I wanted to find out how, A, you got the idea, and B, you know, you, you got started selling biodegradable golf balls. Um, yeah, it's, it's actually, uh, it was a bit of a passion project between a couple friends and I. Cool. Um, but to be completely honest with you, I actually, I, I overheard uh, some older guys talking about this idea. Okay. And uh, it was like, I think it was 2017. And uh, we ended up just kind of like taking it and running with it. It was kind of weird. Uh, we ended up being able to get, um, it's a polyvinyl uh, alcohol with cornstarch golf ball. So when it hits precipitation, it'll degrade on its own. So within four to six weeks, depending on if it's in moving water, um, it can be a little bit longer if it's hit into like a field or something like that. And okay. uh, it's just rain or rain or precipitation, sometimes six months, eight months. Um, but yeah, we just kind of ran with it. And uh, I think the hardest part was building up the online presence. Right. Um, just figuring out um, how to do, you know, our, our website and our SEO and yep. really getting the product out there. Um, I know there's a couple other companies that are doing it and they took a different approach on it. There's okay. the, the fish food guys, right? I've seen two others. I can't remember the name. One that starts with an A and... Uh, yeah. Okay. I actually... Are they um, the fish food ones? <laughs> yeah, they're the fish food okay. guys. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I actually, I reached out to them because I, I thought it would be kind of cool to maybe get their product in Canada as well. Cause you know, he's taking a different approach on it. And I, I thought that it'd be kind of cool to collaborate and have 
Um, you know, like I wanted my, the website that we created to be a spot for everything, um, biodegradable or eco-friendly. Yep. So it's a, it's a bit of, um, that might be maybe a pipe dream for myself, but that's just the direction that I wanted to take it in. I wanted to have every type of biodegradable golf ball. I wanted to have the water soluble, the fish food golf ball. I wanted to have, um, I even had this idea that I was kicking around. I don't know if I'm going to go in that direction, but um, have you ever heard of like the the mushroom leather that's been coming out? I haven't, but that sounds awesome. I need it's to research so cool, that man. It's like immediately. The thing. Okay. Yeah, and so they're using like mycelium. Right. Uh, they're growing mycelium in different, um, you can grow it in, uh, they're using it for packaging right now. Okay. But any, uh, one company, I think actually down in California, uh, they started creating mushroom leather from the mycelium. Amazing. And I, I, I don't know, I just like crossed my mind like the, the golf gloves, right? Of course. We can make a, like a leather mushroom It'd be vegan, obviously. Right. Uh, right. That's a wonderful idea. Um, yeah. So, um, cool. I have to. The direction that I was thinking about going, but for now, it's just focusing on getting uh, the golf balls going. So. So creating a whole line of of biodegradable, eco friendly things for golf. I think no sport needs it more. There are so many disposable items in the game of golf, from tees to gloves, so many things you have to buy and rebuy, which is great for manufacturers of golf equipment and potentially for you, yep. but not great for the environment and all the places that these things just end up. Yeah, all of it just crazy. stays out there, right? Have you run some numbers? I know it's going to be truly horrible. How, how bad is it in terms of golf balls or plastic waste? or Have you crunched it's that? Yeah. Um, you know, the part that really blows my mind is how recent we had cruise ships hitting, you know, toxic non-biodegradable golf balls off as like um, a feature of their um, their cruise ships, right? Like in the '60s, I think that that was a pretty big thing, right? Was it? I don't know. I believe. Yeah, you. I'm like I'm like I'm like 90 sure that my grandparents were telling me about how they could hit golf balls off cruise ships. I mean, that sounds like the kind of thing they would have invented in the '60s, right? Yeah, like it was nuts, and. Uh, the, like there's a there's a couple articles out there. I, you know, off the top of my head, I'm not super good with technical information, but it's it's pretty astronomical. Some of there's like a there's a place in California. Um, it's some sort of bay, and they they would have people go there. It, it was almost like um, like a tourist attraction to go and hit golf balls off this cliff. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? No, but it sounds like it could be anywhere really. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, it could be Pebble no Beach, no. or it could be there's there's a lot of water. On the California yeah, coast. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, there's definitely been like quite a few articles that have been released online um, with golf ball cleanup. And the thing is, is they stay um, in an ecosystem for over a thousand years, right? Right. So, so even worse than a cigarette, but God. golf balls. And See, it's something that people just don't really think about, right? They don't think about it because they don't want to think about it. It's No, for sure. And it's it's tough crazy. to think about it. It sucks to think about it. You don't want to deal with that. A ton of people hit golf balls into water. And right. they don't, they don't talk about it. Right. I mean, it, there's something enjoyable about smacking a golf ball into like a lake or like into the ocean sure. and just cranking it and just driving bombs. Right. Right. So if you can do it and do it in an eco-friendly way, I feel like you'd feel a lot better about yourself. Maybe you could talk about it. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I don't know who's going to take the charge, but it'd be really cool if you did uh, end up doing all of those things that you're thinking about. I think it would be amazing. Obviously, if there's one thing that we know about golfers in general, I think it's safe to say that they don't give a shit about anything other than adding two yards to their drive. 
Oh yeah. So, you know, so that was one of the first initial questions that I had. Uh, How is the performance of the balls that you sell compared to say a Titleist Pro V1? Oh yeah. They're not going to compare. Um, So so I think that Titleist Pro V1, how many cores is it? Four cores? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So the, the problem that we've had is what creates the elasticity in these cores is generally the toxic non-biodegradable elements, right? Okay. And so what we've done is we've only created, it's a single core ball. And that's okay. as far as the technology has come so far. So they're not going to perform as well as a Titleist or um, like a, a Titleist Pro V1 or anything like that. I mean, hopefully as, you know, we build funding and we get to the point that we can develop something like that, we can compete with balls that are on green and used professionally. But for right now, I'd say that they're 30% less, 40% less. 30% less. Okay. And do yeah, you- they're, they're, they're novelty. There's a, it's a novelty item at this point. Okay. And I'm, I'm going to advocate not to use them against uh, professional balls on green. Okay. So they're, it's fun. Like, you know, it's, it's fun to know that they're biodegradable. It's fun to know that if you crank them into the ocean or something like that and you miss that they're not going to sit there for a thousand years. But right. over time, um, you know, in the next like four to five years, I, I'd love to be able to compete with a professional ball. That's the idea too, right? Okay, we're going to interrupt the action here. We're going to do a whoosh, a little quick commercial, but it's not for something crazy. It's not for a burger joint. It's not for some national chain. No, we're way too small for that right now. What it is instead is just a reminder that if you like these stories, if it's inspiring, if it's helped you think about your own life and your own career in any any different way than you would have otherwise, if you've gotten even the tiniest bit of inspiration from the show, I would encourage you to like the show, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on Spotify, rate the show five stars, leave a nice review and comment on Apple Podcasts. Help me grow the show, share the stories, share the episodes, look at the back catalog on ross-palmer.com and do whatever you can to help me grow this podcast. I can't do it without your help. So back to the show. So have you played around with this ball? I mean, obviously, yes. For the people who are just hitting balls into the bay, great. Swap it out with this. If it's a driving range into water, <laughs> at least use this. Yeah. Way better. Cruise ship, all of that. Have you played yeah. a regular round with these balls? I mean, you must have. What did you notice? It's just, it's not, it's not there yet. I'm okay. going to be completely honest. Yep. Um, and, and like I said, that's like another leg of our business. That's going to be something that we need to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just finding, um, it's finding the right materials, uh, having um, someone that can help us, that knows exactly what they're doing on like, uh, like we need someone that has like, like that has a chemical engineering degree or something like that. Right. And we don't have that right now, right. but we're going in that direction. Great. Yeah, obviously these things take time. So that's why, you know, that's one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to talk to you now because I'm very curious. It's something I believe in. I'd love to see it grow. But also, you know, I I try to show a range of things in the process of, you know, from somebody who created a product 50 years ago and and barely remembers how it was done to somebody who (laughs) just did. You know, you're, you're on the earlier stage, but it represents something that could be really cool. So I think this is kind of interesting because since you're in it right now, you're in the middle of trying to do this. Um, when you overheard that and you overheard somebody talking about this and you decided that it was something that you wanted to do, what was the next step that you took to make that a reality? Um, it was coming up with uh, the money with my friends. That was really the biggest 
uh, struggle. And it was, you know, taking something that was almost like a joke, mm -hmm. a little bit more serious. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was like the biggest problem was getting together and actually taking it a little bit serious. Okay. So that, um, now that we've got to that point, it's, uh, things have kind of fell into place a little bit easier. Okay. So yeah. when you wanted to source this or, you know, what was the next step? How did you go about doing that? Um, you know, I'd have to actually ask, uh, I have a, a friend named Adam that's helped me with this. I'd have to actually ask him. Okay. He was one that, uh, kind of sourced it and, and came up with a lot of the, the, um, he dealt with a manufacturer to get it, uh, actually built out. Okay. So what was your, uh, what was your goal then when you first started? It, like I said, it was, it was just pretty much a passion project yeah. and, um, it was really just getting it together to the point where we could actually sell it and deliver it to somebody and package it up and, and actually, um, have a finished product, right? Like right. it took almost about a year and a half to get to that point. A year and a half. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you're all you're funding this all between you and your friends. How many people are involved? Uh, there's four of us. Okay. And so yes. do did do all of you have jobs on the side or other kind of jobs? Is this a side project? Yeah, we all yeah we all work full time. This is kind of like a, a part time thing on the side. Yeah. Okay, so it's a goal to eventually have this take over. Yeah, I, obviously, I think that's okay. with every startup. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, and. Do is it something that you've been personally passionate about? Or is it more? I'm just curious. Like, was your angle more? This is something that we can make money on, or was it something that you have you always believed in um, eco friendly things? Is that? Yeah, I think that it was more so. Um, I'm gonna be completely honest with you. Mm -hmm. uh, golf isn't one of my favorite things in the entire world. Okay, I enjoy it, but it's. Uh, I'm more of a pool player myself. Interesting. Okay. Um, but I've always had. Uh, a keen eye on in, in working with something with bio, anything that's biodegradable, right? Right. It just happens that this is the niche that was the easiest for us to gain traction in. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And, and the people who, the other two players in the space, how long have they been doing it for? Because I haven't seen a lot about this in general. I think, the, I think the, the fish food guys, they've been in it for a solid seven or eight years. Okay. I think there's like an older guy doing it in the States. Um, and I believe he's making the golf balls out of wood. Out of wood? And I think they, out of wood, yeah. And Whoa. I think he's been doing it since like the 90s, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Interesting. Can't even So probably like at the work. same time that like Kramer was talking about it, this guy right. was doing it. Yeah. Very interesting. And the other one is going from the angle that the ball becomes fish food? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's a ball that's made of fish food or what? You know, I'm, I, okay, so let me think here. There's, I, I actually saw one other one that was made from lobster shell, and it was developed by the University of Maine. Okay, that makes sense. And um, I don't think brand. that actually came to fruition. Uh, that one, I think it kind of just sat dormant. Like it was like, a, you know, I, I just like, I saw a few articles about it, and that was, there was that one. And then the fish food one, I believe is actually... I'm not sure what they make it from, honestly. Hmm. I, I, you know, that's something that I should probably look into. I, uh, I haven't even thought about it that far. Um, and then the guy that makes them from wood. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So there's really nobody that is 
you know, going after a title is it's totally wide open at this point. It sounds I like I think that there's there's also a golf ball from Dixon. I don't know if you've ever heard of them before. I think so. I don't know. Hard to like, say. I, I want to say that like I heard about Dixon before. Yeah, maybe not. I thought so. I don't know. I don't know. It has a, yeah. like a familiar name, but right. Anyways, they have a golf ball that isn't biodegradable. It's mm. eco-friendly. Okay. And I don't know if it's made from non-toxic materials. I don't know if it's if it's even biodegradable. Okay. But um, that would be the other player. I think they're actually trying to go after more of the, the green use. Okay. So, so that's more like it won't biodegrade, but at least it's not made from these apparently toxic chemicals. Is that? Yeah, I think I, I'm pretty sure that that's their kind of, but they would be the ones that are going after the, the green use. Okay. And, and everybody else is kind of just doing it for the novelty of it and uh, okay. lakeside water, waterfront use. So, okay. So, so when you, you say you think it could be a while before you have a range of other products, I'm curious what, what is going to take so long? What is the hard part about getting like teas or other things? Why does it take so long to bring additional products out? Why does it take so long to do it? Just, uh, well, obviously the R&D is huge. Yep. Right. Um, and if you do manufacturing outside of uh, North America, mm-hmm. bringing anything in is absolutely a massive pain in the ass. Like, I don't know if you know, because of COVID, um, all the shipping has just been absolutely insane recently. Mm. Interesting. Right? Like, I think that the... LA port is bottlenecked like months by like by months. Okay. I, I don't I don't know. I'm not really sure about LA, but but Canada, um, BC in particular, our Vancouver and Delta ports uh, were backed up massively because of the forest fires. Because wow. we had so many fires here, the trains couldn't actually leave the port. Okay. So uh, that was a huge thing about sourcing our product as well. Um, yeah, it, it just. Uh, I'd say that the longest part is obviously the R&D coming up with whatever compounds you're going to use and then uh, whatever manufacturing facility that you're going to use is, is quite a lengthy process. Mm-hmm. And then coming up with the prototypes as well as um, then sourcing it. You know, it can take four months to get um, a few skids over here, right? Okay. Four months. And that's, yeah. that's what it is today or has it gotten worse? Yeah, that's what it is today. Oh, okay, yeah. four so months. I wanted to source from Asia where we get our yeah. manufacturing done. It takes about four months for me to get um, even okay. like a container or a couple skids. Okay, got it. Plus your man- plus your manufacturing time too. Right, right. And it, you know, if you don't mind me ma- me asking, and if you do, it's no problem at all. But like, what what is the rough ballpark in terms of money required to that first year and a half to get something out, just to get a new product on the market in this way? It costs us about forty to fifty thousand. Forty to fifty thousand. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of money, obviously not wholly out of reach for a group of people. So that's good. But it's nice, I think, for people to know because you come across a lot of people day to day who have an idea about something and very few take that next step. Very few. It's always, uh, yeah. I mean, like a a big part of it too, though, is once you have your product is doing the marketing. Right. So that's what you're at now. Pardon me? Yeah, exactly. So like, um, I mean, obviously you're a marketer, you understand how much money goes into marketing, right? <laughs> yes. And time and effort. Yeah, so like some people's rates are, I've seen up to, you know, like $120 an hour. Yeah. And so it can be quite problematic to figure that out and yep. uh, to come up with that money and justify that money being spent too. Yep. That's always the case with small businesses. It's, uh, yeah. it's hard. 
to know how much you should be investing in marketing with a small business, especially when you haven't seen a return on investment. There's no easy answers, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's it's so your your approach then is you're thinking digital. You're thinking primarily web sales, or are you looking to get distributors, or what's the thought process for growing it from here? Um, our biggest priority right now is fulfilling wholesale and doing Amazon. Amazon. Okay, so you're selling them on Amazon at the moment. Yeah. Okay. How has that experience been for you? For what? Amazon or for the wholesale? I guess either both. Wholesale is about having the stock there, right? Okay. Uh, the wholesale can be quite challenging because, um, you know, obviously if somebody's looking for 10,000 balls a month, it's quite hard to fulfill that if you're spending all your time doing retail or if you're getting multiple wholesale orders. It's just the whole supply chain is really something that is hard to manage, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, just that, like I said, about four months from getting your product uh, from Asia out here, and then being able to fill the wholesalers and they want their orders next week, right? Mm, mm-hmm. They're not dealing with month-long timelines. They're dealing with, we want a next week timelines, right? Right. So that's really the challenge is, uh, you know, figuring how much product to take on, um, making sure that you have the back stock, the inventory. Um, with Amazon, uh, Amazon's quite difficult because you're always dealing with um, Amazon associates, Right. Like it's basically like the way that I describe it is taking two steps forward, one step backwards, mm. like with literal, literally every move on. Have you ever done anything on Amazon? No, but I mean, I'm very familiar with the, I'm terrified of Amazon and I'm very familiar with that story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, you know, just to get your product on Amazon um, at this point in Canada, you have to, you have to have all your own UPC codes right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's done through GS1, as well as you need to have your logo trademarked. Oh. So to figure that out, um, you know, you got to, it's, it's you know, if you've done it before, it's super easy. If you've never done anything like this before, it's quite challenging, right? right. And that was a big challenge for myself was figuring out, you know, how to trademark my logo. Um, you know, obviously we're trying to keep costs down, so we're not trying to bring in lawyers to try to do all this stuff, right? Right. Uh, and then you have to submit all that to Amazon itself and then get the approval. So our, it's called a brand registry. And it took a minute for us to get that approval. It took about three to four months just to get the okay to sell on Amazon. Hmm. Okay. Right. And so that was uh, a big, a big challenge for us too. is getting that uh, first, first package sold on Amazon. That's, that's huge. Right. And when was, when did you do that? When did you get the first one sold? Uh, not even four months ago. Like not even four months ago. The beginning of June. Okay. Three months ago, yeah. Great. Um, are you dealing with the reviews? I mean, of course, Amazon is famous for a few things. If you don't immediately refund unsatisfied customers or, you know, if you get below five-star rating, you're in big, big trouble. Have you had to experience that yet? Not yet. I'm sure that I will. Don't okay. worry. <laughs> yeah. It's coming, but They're no, not demanding, yet. Right? If a customer wants to return something for pretty much any reason, you have to foot the bill, right? You know what's crazy? Like, um, we've probably done about forty to fifty retail boxes on okay. there so far. Yeah, you know, it's just starting, just getting going, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, just test the waters. But um, I actually haven't had anyone message me about anything yet. Hmm. Okay. Like I've literally like had like zero interaction with our customers. Which is crazy because like on the website, it's a completely different story. It's like, 
you know, people email in uh, asking for tracking numbers, which I've already sent. Right. Um, but yeah, on Amazon, nothing. I don't know. That's it's super weird. You you think it would be the other way around, but I'm sure maybe that it'll get to that point. But yep. for right yep. now, no. Yep. Interesting. Um, okay. So on the wholesaler side of things, how did you go about trying to build the business over there? How did I go about, um, to believe it or not, most of our inquiries are wholesale though. Okay. So, I mean, it kind of came naturally. Um, I'd say that for every retail order that we sell, we almost get a wholesale order. Like it's pretty crazy right now. Hmm. Yeah. But like our wholesale order, like I would consider over 500, over a thousand, a wholesale order, right? Right. Definitely. So it's been people finding you. Have you placed ads of any kind? No. Okay. So no, you, or, no you ads. set up a website, you bought the domain, you did all that, and you're getting inbound leads from this. Yes. Yeah. We spent uh, a large amount of our time doing SEO. Cool. So organic SEO. And uh, we managed to place first on Google in North America. So that was huge. That happened in late June. Okay. So I, uh, uh, you know, from what we got back from our analytics, uh, like it was a massive jump. Like it was insane. Right. You just went ching. I guess it yeah, also it, was, it just speaks to the fact. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a great accomplishment, but it speaks to the fact that for whatever reason, the bigger players are not interested in this space, which is very sad in one level. I mean, good for you, but disheartening that. Here we are in 2021 and oh, oh, I guarantee you that this, I'm, they're going to come. I'd say that within five years that I'll probably either get pushed off or Hmm. maybe someone will just come and buy it. So you got to go as fast as possible. That's the mentality. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you never know where to go. Like, that's why I really, I really wanted it to be more of a marketplace rather than Mm. just like, here's our proprietary golf, right? Yep. So I want to, if, you know, if somebody did come out with something that could compete with, uh, you know, Titleist V1s or right. anything like, we could just throw it on the website and we could just, you know, have, let's just say the fish food golf balls, those ones, yep. our golf ball, so on and so forth, right? Yep. I don't want to limit ourselves to just one, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. There's no reason why you can't be a distributor and or drop ship or do it any other way because, yeah, I think the world needs this. So it's good I, to yeah. keep going. And the the trouble with golfers in particular, in my experience, is that if you had two circles of one of them is eco-friendly, earth-conscious people, and the other is golfers, I think there's probably very little overlap, which is sad. I think many yeah, golfers... Diagram would not have a yeah, because a lot of golfers are, you know, backwards and, you know, let's just say there's a lot of stereotypes that exist about golfers on many of them. Yes, there is. And, and yeah. this is coming from somebody who is a very, very much a golf lover and player, but a lot of the people that I meet, let's just say that uh, concerns of the earth aren't exactly on their mind <laughs> on a day-to-day basis. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you can look at some of the golf courses, even watering during right. droughts and stuff like that, right? Water, oh yeah, you got these, you know, desert cities like Las Vegas, all of these things. I mean, it's the numbers are... Have you ever golfed in Las Vegas? I haven't. I mean, I've seen the. I know it's supposed to be insane, but that's one thing I've never done. Is it insane? Well, yeah. It's. I mean, they've got incredible courses out there. It's all the celebrities go. They're very expensive, so they're they're doing it. You know, if you want to play with you know Charles Barkley or whatever, you'll be playing in Las Vegas, probably. I guess Palm Springs is you know somewhat similar in that regard out here. 
which also is very, very well known. I haven't gone out that way, but it's very well known. Crazy. And, and so you're full-time marketing, right? Yep. Yep. I have my own company. So I've, I've been doing this for, I mean, I've done it for, uh, on the side for over 10 years. I've helped build things. I formalized my own company about six years ago and took on clients and that kind of thing. Nice. So this, this so the is, thing is uh, your, it's uh, your after marketing. Yes, a hundred percent. Well, you know, I've said it before. Like, I think what makes the most sense, I spend like many people in my profession, I spend 14, 16 hours a day sitting in a chair, looking at a screen. You know, it's, it's not very glamorous to be doing this. And there is nothing that gives me more joy than to be outside moving around, looking at something that is far away that is not on a screen. It's the best. Oh yeah. And, you know, people, I never take a golf cart anywhere I go, ever. I always walk. And sometimes <laughs> it'll be really hot, like not 42 degrees Celsius hot, but hot. And yeah. people look at me like, you're crazy. It's 100 degrees outside. Why are you still walking? And I said, believe me, I will do anything not to be sitting in a chair for another four hours. Yeah, no, for sure. If that chair I, is a uh, golf cart or a regular car or whatever, I want to walk outside in nature. That's what I get from it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I spend uh, I spend quite a bit of my time in a chair as well. Yeah, and um, you know, people look at me weird when everyone's sitting and I'm standing. Oh, so, that's yeah, that's good. I got to get into that. I'm, I was actually just thinking about buying a more expensive chair. You know, first world problems, of course. But yeah, because <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> it's like you know the back pain. It's like oh, you know, you do it all day. Yeah, you got to uh, get that lumbar support. Exactly, right? I know. But if you look at the expensive chairs these days, you can the, the good one is like thirteen hundred dollars. The 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 Herman Miller Aeron chair or something like that. So, what was the Secret Labs? Is that what? You, that's there's there's Secret Labs, right? Have you heard of those guys? You know, I haven't really started diving into it to be honest with you. Oh yeah, okay. My, is, is that yeah, supposed I, to be better? I don't know. They're they're apparently like pretty kick-ass chairs. Okay. But uh, I myself have been looking in chairs, looking at chairs too. Yeah. And I know it's it's hard to stomach spending like thirteen hundred dollars on a chair, but I think we need I think we need it. Yeah, I think you're right. Chairs all day, right? I think you're right, and I think the next person I'll interview will be the manufacturer of eco-friendly biodegradable office chairs that are yes, also ergonomical. <laughs> I gotta find them next. I'm gonna hunt yeah, yeah, them down go. one by one. But no, I think you're right. I think as more more and more of us spend more time inside, and as more and more of us are turning online for the source of our business, and you know, it becomes critical. So this yeah, is mean, a discussion I have with my wife and she says, you got to just do it. So I'm going to do it, of course. Yeah. I mean, another, another huge thing that I want to touch at, um, yep. was when you build out a business online, yep. you can touch, you can like hit so many more markets than you could ever do doing it traditionally or doing right. it retail. Right. Yes. So obviously you know this, yep. um, but if you're going to spend your money on marketing, it's better spent online than it is in my opinion, brick and mortar. Yep. Unless you, you know, agree. you get this huge chain, but then. Yeah, I agree. Those opportunities come knocking, right? That's something that we're sort of figuring out as a society. I think it's, we're the pandemic accelerated things, but we're figuring out how powerful and what exactly this online thing is. More and more people realize that they can work from home and that it's okay. More and more companies realize that their employees can work from home and that it's okay. There's yeah. a lot of power. And I think the platforms understand this. Obviously, Google knows this. Facebook knows this. They all are very aware of the power. And that's why they limit it. That's why they give you such a tiny slice of it. Facebook knows oh, yeah. how much power they could give you if they gave you organic reach on any of your posts, but they don't do that. 
That's why you get, you know, one a percent of a percent actually views anything you post. If they opened the floodgates on anything you did, it would be absolutely insane. But 100%. they're just oh, portioning yeah, sure. out the bare minimum to keep you coming. And, uh, you know, in some sense, Google is a little better than that. Uh, organic search is one of those other things that, that is very valuable, very powerful. But, but you're right. We're, we're discovering all of these things. Also things like digital media, what it means, things like doing a podcast, making videos, broadcasting something to, again, tons and tons of people. These are the defining issues that we have to face. You know, I've heard that um, doing podcasts like how you're doing them um, is really good for SEO. Is that true? It depends on how you do it. Um, like all things, it depends on what it is that you're trying to get from it. If you have a very hyper-targeted podcast with a very conscious focus that, let's say SEO is at the heart of your podcasts, then of course it will have the same benefit for you as building out blog content or any other piece of content that you'd be doing. Um, yeah. If you do it more, you know, for me, it's more something that I'm interested in. So I haven't, I don't do my personal project the way that I do stuff for my clients, if that makes sense. I just yeah, follow sure. what I'm interested in more yeah. so than I'm looking up a keyword and saying, okay, what does Google want from me? But that's, that's kind of a conscious decision. I'm actually writing an, an article about this right now that I'll publish in the next couple of days, but about knowing how to do this and choosing to do something else. Because on the one hand, it's like, this is the stuff that works. You know, if you write about X or you post this way, that will make Google happy and Google will reward you for that. Same with Instagram, whatever. You can do the things that will get you rewarded from the algorithm. But there's also that thing of, you know, what do you want to say and what do you want to be? And if you, like me, read books from ancient philosophers or Mark Twain or other people that existed before the internet... They weren't only writing a book because Google wanted them to write about this yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. No, for sure. They wanted to write that book because they wanted to. Right. So yeah. that's sort of where, the way I, you know, this for me is a chance to meet people like you and to, to express myself. So I've chosen that knowing that it's probably less likely. But of course it can be. Yeah. It's something that you could consider for sure. Yeah. If that was your yeah. goal. I don't know how I would steer like a biodegradable golf ball podcast. Yep. I don't know if there's enough content for that. <laughs> yeah, there, and there may not be. But if you keep know. going and you you know keep pushing to where you want to go, I think marketplace, other people, it's it's a conversation. I mean, I, I get that we're at a very early stage here, and that's cool. But it is something that I really believe needs to happen, and I would love it if in five years, as you said, there is a Pro V One alternative. I would love it if it's I. Could if exclusively I don't do play. Exactly. I would love it if I could exclusively yeah. play because I hate that. I'm a very eco-friendly person. You know, I, I yeah. eat a mostly vegan diet. Um, I, I care about the environment. And this is just something that I don't enjoy at all about. We even, to be honest with you, I don't even think we've hit the first wave of biodegradable products. Mm -hmm. The next, like, in the next five to ten years, I think that you're going to see a lot of these um, biodegradable companies that are doing, I mean, like, I, I don't know if it's like that in California, but up here, we can't actually use plastic straws anymore. Uh, yeah, they did do that. Is that the same in California? Yep, yep, they did do that. Okay, so they, yeah, they've outlawed that, right? Yep. I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. Right. Really. Right. I think that anybody in the biodegradable realm, and those, uh, back to what we originally talked about with the mycelium. Right. Um, so it would replace uh, styrofoam packaging. Yep. Right. Um, I, I'll send you a link after. It's yeah. pretty interesting. 
stuff. Please. Um, but stuff like that, man, like it's just the tip of the iceberg, right? Yep. Like I think all those companies are going to cryptocurrency, biodegradable stuff, man. Yep. <laughs> I tell you. Well, it's, it's, it's really, really, really great when you can just swap something one for one. When you've That's got, exactly like, I'm using A, and if I just make a simple switch from A to B, I won't notice a difference, but the world is a better place. That's my favorite kind of thing in the world. I think that that's the way that um, I, I would love to be able to get to that point with the golf balls. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that it's not there yet, but, you know, I would like to be the person to do it. Uh, yeah. I know that we would, we would love that, but if it doesn't come down to it, someone else is going to. Right. It's well, insane. Push hard. Yeah, it's gonna happen. It's just like I said, it's really coming down to those um, multiple cores, right? Yep. And the cores are really the difficult part of coming up and producing something that can replace that one to one. Yep. Right? Yep. I, well, yeah. Keep keep pushing, man. You know, push hard, fight for it, fight for the dream. I think it's uh, yeah. You know, see, because I have a feeling that the way you're heading, it's going to be like this, you know, because there's going to be a critical mass of performance where up until the performance gain is achieved, it's going to be harder with some people, right? Yeah. But I think if you can just push through to that point where the performance is there, if you can just keep fighting until that happens, you will probably, you'll probably see an explosion. Yeah. Just, it'll go nuts. Um, yeah, it's it's really figuring out who we need to add to our team next, right? Yep. And um, yeah, and it, and it's honestly like I hate to say it, it really does come down to money too, right? Of course. Like at the end of the day, like having the funding, having you know something like to get something to that grade. Yep. Either you're working like night and day for free for the rest of your life trying to figure this out, or yep. you're like bringing on like you know a chemical engineer and you're right. you're forking out like one hundred fifty thousand to get something that's at that tier, right? But it might be worth it. You know, my yeah, guess. I don't, I don't. I don't disagree with you. It's just you know, um, I think that the way that I see this going is figuring out how to build the funding with what we have right now. Yep. Once we get to this, get to the point where we can bring on somebody that could help us do the R&D to get to that pro V1 status, yep. then at that point, we just need the funding from what we have now to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Say. Well, you yeah. may want to look into um, my guest tomorrow as we record this, but it'll be two weeks ago for the people listening to this episode. Ben Stern, my guest tomorrow, he um, was on Shark Tank and he got an investment from Mark Cuban and an ecological packaging company. So, oh, really? You know, if you want to hear an example of somebody who did it, maybe it's a avenue for you guys. Oh no way! Yep. So it can and be you know, done. Honestly, you know, like, I to go and to go to that level would just—I don't know—it would just blow my mind. I don't even—I don't even know where to start with something like that. And uh, I don't know. I've—I've I've been. We've been doing it, you know, uh, so independently to this point that it would be hard to go for something like that and get that funding. You know, I, I don't know. It's just, I mean, we'll see how it goes, right? Yep, for sure. Yeah. Well, cool. Do you, do you recommend trying to go on something like that? I don't know. I've never done it. I know that it worked for him. He was very young when he did it, but I think I, he tells you in the episode that it's it was totally worth it. So I think there's, you know, pros and cons. Obviously, you have to give up a large percentage of your company for a relatively little amount of money, but 
you gain things like network and experience. Like if you need a chemist, well, that's probably how you get it. Otherwise, you have to find, you know, that will take some doing. Not impossible, but you have to search for this kind of chemist. Yeah, or, you know, another thing, too, is I've, I've really tossed around the idea of going to, like, a university, right? Mm-hmm. And just trying to, I don't know, cherry pick some some grads that are looking for, you know, some project that they want to, I don't know, like, I don't I. I've slept on it. I've thought about it. And I'm still here waiting to figure this out. So I'm, I don't know. Okay. We'll see. Yep. Yeah. Well, cool. I think, uh, you know, that will, will pretty much wrap up this episode, but I, I wanted to do this because yeah, again, it's, it's different parts of the journey. So we have to, we'll put a pin in this conversation for now, but I'm expecting, you know, in two years, I want us to be having a very different conversation. I want to be, I talking, so too, I want to be talking about what happened after this. Two, yeah, you know, years. and uh, golf season's almost over here, right? Yep. I don't know. Is it, is, is it the same in the States? In the States, generally, yes. In Southern California, there is no end to the golf season. That's why the prices yeah, are so expensive here. Right? Yeah. We're teetering off. Okay, yeah. So yep. I think next year is going to be a big year. Yep. Um, we're going to have to make some serious moves. Yep. And then come 2023, if the world's still around. Right. <laughs> the shipping still exists. If you're not. If everything fire, still exists. Yeah. Your building hasn't burned down. And, you know, maybe, maybe these are the types of uh, yep. things we're going to go for then, right? Cool. Awesome, my man. Well, um, I will uh, end with one thing. If you, um, you know, we've, we'll put this stuff everywhere, but if you could just, you know, here's a moment to give a little bit of personal promo shout out. Uh, so the okay. floor is yours to kind of wrap it up. Okay, cool. It's uh, Mitch at biodegradablegolfballs.com. Uh, if you want to come and test out our biodegradable golf balls, buy a pack. Uh, maybe I'll give you a discount code. Here's this. Use Big 15. That's 15% off. How's that? <laughs> That's cool. great. <laughs> I'll order some right after this. Cool. With that, send me man, I'll, send you, I'll send you a box for free. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Are you kidding me? I will play around with uh, your ball for sure. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I'll do it. Me. I'm curious. Yeah, yeah, and then I'll, I'll, I'll post about it. I will definitely do it. Of course. I'll post about it. I'm very, and I'll put it in with this episode when it goes live. Um, okay, cool, dude. Well, let me uh, wrap it up here. So with that, the official podcast is over. Thank you again for listening to the Beat the Often Path podcast. I really appreciate you. I'm so glad that you've made it to the end of another episode. As always, if you've enjoyed what you've been hearing, make sure that you subscribe. Make sure that you rate it five stars. Make sure that you share, that you comment, that you like, that you are a participant in this journey. I really appreciate you listening. So now help me grow this podcast. As always, if you have an unusual success story or if you know somebody who does, who fits the bill of this show, recommend them to me. Reach out. Just say hi. I love hearing from you. So drop me a line and let's grow this podcast together. Thanks again. I'll see you next time.